1: Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word.
0: What does he mean by that? He knows I don't have all the answers, but I serve a God who does and he's put a deposit in me guaranteeing that one day I will see him as he really is.
1: Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. My name is Bill. Thanks for joining me here on Today with Jeff Vines. And it's more today from our Pumped series. It's based on passages of Scripture that really pump up Pastor Jeff. Last time you may have heard Pastor Jeff preaching from 1 Peter chapter 1. Well, we're about to continue this message as he shares how our lives are transformed and completely renewed when we become Christ followers, when we have the Word of God living in us. Let's hear the rest now on Today with Jeff Vines.
0: that when you became a Christian, that the Bible basically tells you that you went to a higher order of life past where you were. So much so that the life you had before you became a Christ follower, you were living death. That's why the Bible uses the term dead to describe you. Now you notice that all of these are forms of living and life, but the previous order of life is dead, living death compared to the greater one. Dirt is living death compared to plant life, but plant life is living death compared to the animal. And the animal is living death compared to what we feel and experience and are aware of. And so when the new man comes and the new woman comes, when, the, when God puts a seed in the divine nature, you start to see things that you never saw before. And you see them, it's like they're, they're on steroids. Your awareness is just there to the degree that you cannot deny it. And look, not everybody has it. Now, we've gone through this issue numerous times. Let's go back to Job. Job's argument with God was, God, if you would just help me to understand all the reasons why I'm suffering this way, then I'll be able to endure it. And God put up with that for 38 chapters. And finally, what did he say to Job? He said, is that right, Job? Am am I hearing you correctly? If you could just understand all the reasons why you have to do this or endure this, then you'd be able to, to, to endure it. And God says, okay, I got some questions for you. Where were you when I created the foundations of the world? And he goes through this long list of questions and the meaning behind the question is this, Job, there's a gazillion things that happen every day in your life for which you don't have complete understanding that you readily accept. Your pain is no different. You're not going to understand everything, but you've got an incredible awareness of who I am. And because you know who I am, you're able to go through anything because you know the divine nature is in you to give you wisdom and power to be more than overcomers. And he even says later that no weapon ever formed against you shall prosper. So, so something happens in the divine nature coming into you and me. Well, Folks, do you know that the ocean is 36,000 feet deep? That's, that's deeper than the height of uh, Mount Everest. And we have only been so far. There's so much left. Over. Forget about Mars and who's out there. We've not even been to who's in here. <laughs> and, and that's basically what God says to Job. Do you know how much knowledge there still is that you don't know? There's a point at which you stop and I start. When the divine nature comes on the inside of you and the spirit of God is in you, you're supposed to be able to see things you've never seen before. And what does Job say after his experience with God? He says, before I simply had heard about you. In other words, before I was like this, but now I've seen you with my eyes. And he says, I know that my redeemer lives and in the end he will stand on the earth. What does he mean by that? He knows I don't have all the answers, but I serve a God who does and he's put a deposit in me guaranteeing that one day I will see him as he really is. You see, now it changes the way you look at pain and suffering because of the cross. You know, there are plenty of people who believe in the cross, right? They believe, yeah, Jesus died. Yeah, I got all that stuff. But you're supposed to be able to be aware now that it's more than just the most recognized symbol on planet earth. That Jesus was more than just a good God with good morals and ideas. You've got the divine reality in you that you were lost and dead. You were in the lower level of life until Jesus died for you. And he died for your sins. And now you have a Incredible awareness of the holiness of God. And that ought to make you afraid until you recognize what Jesus did for you. And then it's supposed to make you aware of the love of God, that he would give his own son for you. And then you would have an understanding and awareness of the holiness of God and you would try to live according to the law of God, no longer because you're afraid of condemnation, but out of an appreciation for what he's done for you and forgiving you. Your awareness is supposed to change. And all these divine realities which you are now aware of totally changes the way you look at everything. Remember what we said about the cross. You look everything through the cross now. Your whole life goes through the shadow of the cross. You now know that you can be in the worst possible place of your life and still be in the direct center of the will of God because he is able to do much more than you could ever hope for or imagine that God's best work in you is during times of difficulty. But it's more than the awareness. You still with me? It, it, it's not only the awareness, it's the sense of Volition. Okay, once again, we believe because the Bible teaches that it's not us and sin against God, that it's us and God against this guy. When the power of the spirit came inside us, we now have the power to say no to sin and death. Remember what we said in Romans six, it says that sin needs our members of our body to fulfill its desires. So it's gonna ask us for our eyes. It's gonna ask us for our mouth to say things we shouldn't say. It's gonna ask us for our feet to go places we shouldn't go. It's gonna ask us for our ears to listen to things we shouldn't be listening to. Now, before, we didn't have a sense of volition. The power to sin was so overwhelming. We were were a living death because we were in a previous order of life. But now, the divine nature is in you and me. And we have the power, the sense of volition to do the good and to say no to sin and death in us. The Puritans called the Holy Spirit the expulsive power of a new affection, that you have the power within you to expel sin. It is no longer a master. You've been freed. You have the power of new life. Now, before I go around third and head home, stay with me. Uh, I had a friend, Sam Peters, in Savannah, Georgia, and he was an alcoholic for a lot of years. One day we were playing golf together and he didn't have a beer with him. We played a lot of golf together and he drank a lot. And I noticed just out of the blue, it kind of appeared like he stopped drinking. Then the next time, no more drinks again. Then finally I realized he stopped. Now you're talking about 30 years of damage in a man's body, I asked him why his response was, you know, finally, because he'd been going to church all of his life. Now, did you hear what I just said? He'd been going to church all of his life. He was an alcoholic, but the church he went to loved him, embraced him, accepted him because the church understood that we all have our vices and issues and we don't kick people out because they're struggling with some sin. As long as their intention is to try to beat this thing, overcome it, we're there." It's when they start celebrating their sin that problems occur. Sam didn't celebrate his sin. He didn't celebrate his alcoholism. He'd been fighting it for 30 years. Finally, he overcame it. I asked him how. He said, I began to understand, Jeff, the difference between word and power. The word grows and it opened up my eyes to truth. But when I started memorizing passages of scripture, then the truth of God connected with the divine nature of God and gave me the divine power to say no to things previously overwhelmed me. He said, I used to say, I can't stop this, it's too powerful. But he said, every time I would say that as I was about to take a drink, the verse would come in, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then at times I'd say, it has a hold on me that's too powerful. Then a verse would come in, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I didn't know then what I know now but I know that a great part of me overcoming my anxiety was Philippians 4, 6. Being able to say, do not be anxious for anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God and the peace of Christ that passes all understanding will rule your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is that when you combine your awareness of what is good with your ability to do the good, anything is possible. Now, that was a long journey to get the meat Do you see the message of the seed now in the yeast? Jesus is saying, if you take a little mustard seed, it's a very small thing, but he puts the divine nature in you. It's not explosive growth. Stop beating yourself up. See, you think when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit's in you and the next day, oh, you're super Christian. And what you end up doing is just taking everybody off. It's not explosive growth. It starts out slow and it builds, and it builds. And the more the word you get into your life, the more it builds, and the more that it takes over. And when the negative thoughts, and when the things that are not true come into your life, those things that are true, regardless of who's, who does or does not believe them, when they come into your life, they override and overwhelm the lies that you've believed about your life all your life. But it does happen overnight. It's slow, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds. And there's a greater sense of innervation, the ability to feel. My dog, Milo, he felt things. When I returned from Thailand, I cried a little. It was the first time that I'd come home from a trip and Milo wasn't there to greet me. Nothing like a dog who loves you. Nothing like a child who loves you. Nothing like a wife who loves you. Nothing like a God who loves you. When the divine nature comes on the inside of you, you're supposed to get it now. You're supposed to get the love of God and it overwhelms you so much that it starts to replace the lies of your life with truth. The divine spark has been placed in you. What this means, and then I'm gonna end by application, what this means is Jesus is trying to tell you that the kingdom of God is like a seed that goes in. Now, it's slow, but it's building all the time. And the things you struggled with years ago, it's, you're supposed to be defeating now. Because the seed Jesus is saying, is organic life. If, if, you, if you had a mustard seed, if I took this little mustard seed, which you can't even see, and I smashed it together with a, a big plate of concrete, concrete, who would win? Well, the concrete every time, right? But if I planted the seed under the concrete, who would win? The seed would break that concrete apart over time because it's organic life. It's a living thing. That's the analogy Jesus is trying to say that you have the capacity in you to break everything apart for new life. Every obstacle, everything that's robbing you of the joy of your life, everything somebody ever said to you, everything somebody ever did to you, everything you did to yourself, You got a greater sense of awareness, a greater sense of volition, a greater sense of feeling the presence of God to be able to overwhelm instead of something overwhelming you. You say, okay, Jeff, fine, I got it. That was a lot of stuff, a lot of talk. Why do I care? Here's why you care. Why do we worry? We worry because the threats of life are more real to us than God's sovereign control over them. You're still worrying because God is not as real to you as the threats around you are. But you have the divine nature. You're supposed to know that God is large and in charge. Fear is the primary issue associated with all the depression and anxiety in our world. You're afraid of something because you've not yet realized the divine nature is in you and He's already conquered that fear. For instance, Anxiety and depression happen a lot because of insignificance. You're afraid that you don't matter. But Psalm 129 says you're fearfully and wonderfully made while you're in your mother's womb. Jeremiah 1.5, he shaped and formed you. You're afraid because you're afraid of dying. John 11, a man dies yet shall he live. First Peter 1.3, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. You're afraid that your suffering is without purpose, that it's somehow random. And yet the divine nature with the divine word tells you what? He works everything together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Why are some of you still bitter? You're the new man, the divine nature, divine power. Why are you still bitter? Because what somebody else did to you is still more real to you than the forgiveness, grace, and mercy of God. It's still more real than the thing that is actually real. But once you understand, once you're aware, once you feel it, once you have this sense of volition, you're supposed to be able to understand that God forgave you in spite of who you are and still forgives you every day in spite of what you do. And surely if God forgives you, a multitude of sin, if you stand in no condemnation, if you are forgiven through the blood of Jesus, surely you can forgive others who've offended you. The problem is what they did to you is still more real to you than the grace and the mercy of God. Why are some of you so down on yourself and you have low self-esteem? Because what somebody said about you or to you when you were smaller or younger is still more real to you than the significance and the truth of the word of God, which tells you that you are so valuable that God was willing to give his own son so that you who are far away from God could become nearer. I, I sat down to have my prayer time this past week. And look, pastors go through this too. There's sometimes I'll go through a week and I just don't feel it. Does that relieve you? I hope so. There's sometimes, what, Pastor Jeff? Yeah. There's sometimes I know that I have this sense of awareness and this sense of volition and this sense of feeling. But sometimes I'll sit in my office to pray and I just, I, I ain't feeling it. See, I believe that is also part of God's work in me because when you don't feel it, sometimes I think God wants to see if you'll seek it. How bad do you want this? It doesn't make it easy all the time. But as I sat there trying to think about what I would pray for, I was just overwhelmed. And this is the divine nature in me. This is the divine, this is not me. Look how good pastor, no, this is the divine nature. I was overwhelmed with gratitude of everything I had in my life, including you. And so I just started praying, thank you, God. And I just kept going and going. I realized how much is in my life because of God. When the divine nature comes into you through the divine word and the divine truth is believed by you, fear, worry, doubt, insecurity, and significance, they'll all go. You know why? Because you're not just, you're not You're not dirt. You're not plant. You're not animal. You don't have involuntary responses anymore like that. You don't just go the way of the world and just follow everybody else. You're the new man. The divine nature of God is in you and you have the power in your life through the power of God to overcome everything in your life. Bitterness, worry, doubt, fear. You need to forgive somebody. It's in you. It's there. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, okay, it's there, but how do I get access to it? I'm glad you asked. Glad you asked that. I've told this story uh, numerous times. Uh, for those of you who are new and never heard it, you're gonna enjoy it. For those of you, you will, it's a great story. For those, and I'll end with it, for those of you who've heard it before, you'll still enjoy it. It's just a great story. And when my, my, uh, when my roommate and I were in Bible college, uh, there was this church called Mount Carmel Baptist Church. And uh, it was an all African-American church. And my roommate and I hated going to the local churches. They were just boring I mean, I'm sorry, they were, they're just boring. And I said, man, and we had to go to church because part of the university rule was we had to be in church. you get in trouble if you weren't in church. And so we found this church and I said, man, let's go. So we went. We were the only white boys in the whole place. (laughs) It was fantastic, the music. They didn't have an order of service, man. It was just some dude on an organ just tickling the keys and wherever he went, the elders on the front row just started singing and everybody followed. It was so, I mean, I just felt so good in there. But they had this pastor called Leroy Brown, who was about five feet, three inches tall. And uh, he was a little stick of dynamite. He was a small man, but he could bring it. He would fire me up every weekend. Matter of fact, he doesn't know this, but I I tried to look online for a photo of him. I can't find him anywhere. I'm, I'm so sad about that. I gotta find that. You gotta see Leroy Brown. Pastor Leroy, what a name, what a name. Real name, real name. I know Jim Croce wrote a song, but this is a different thing. I remember him teaching. And he just, it was a very simple message. He got, he got his Bible out and he put it on the front on a little table. And he started preaching this message about how the Bible had the capacity and potential when its words got into your life to really activate the divine nature, to bring the divine truth, to give you power and victory over any situation. And he started saying early in the sermon, he says, I'm telling you folks, I, I, you don't want to be, you do not want to be the capitilla. And I looked at my roommate and I said, what'd he say? And so he went about 10 more minutes and he said, I told you once, I'm going to tell you again, you don't want to be the Capitilla. So I look at my friend and I say, what on earth is a Capitilla? And he says, I don't know, man. And we said it a little bit too loud. And some rather large African-American woman said, shh, in the front row. And we, and then about 10 minutes later near the end of the sermon, he goes, I done told you once. I done told you twice. I'm going to tell you a third time. You don't want to be the Capitilla. You want to be the butterfly. Oh, Caterpillar. I got it now. Of course, my roommate and I started laughing and we were laughing. We were the only ones laughing. Everybody was just turning around. What are you doing? Don't <laughs> laugh at our pastor. He's the anointed of God. <laughs> That's it. I, there's no shortcut. The divine nature is in you. It's there. He's there. He awakens through divine truth that comes through the divine word. And when the word is in you, when you face anything, you're able to have the right word at the right time and the right place to overcome. Jesus said that I say to you, John three, unless you are born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God, but you've been born again. How do you get born? again? Remember how you get born again? You recognize you're a sinner. You recognize God is holy. You have a little peep into the reality of God that he gives you by the power of his spirit. And suddenly you begin to know that God is not just this philosophy or theory, he's real. And Jesus is not just some good guy who did some good things. He's the son of God who died on the cross to meet the requirements of the holiness of God so that you and I could enter into relationship and the divine nature would come into us and be injected with the divine word and be energized with its truth to overcome all and every situation so that you would see things you've never seen, do things you've never done, feel things you've never felt. If you want that journey, it starts when you commit to be rooted deep into the word of God. Father, I want to thank you and praise you for your goodness. I ask you in Jesus' name right now, you would open our eyes to your truth, that we, our lives would be changed, that we would just be different than we were, than when we came in. I pray for our church that we'd have an eye-opening experience through this passage that we are living life, that the life we had before, comparatively, is a living death. It's a kind of a vegetable life. But now, with the divine nature, we see, we do, we feel, and it's all energized by the power and the word of God, the word and power. Help us in Jesus' name. Bring revival to us.
1: Thanks for joining me on Today with Jeff Vines. That's the end of this message from Pastor Jeff. Next time, join me for the last sermon in the Pumped series based on passages of Scripture that really pump up Pastor
0: Jeff. But without the Word, the Spirit has nothing to fire up, to to spark, to light the fire. Man, in heaven's name, this thing has come along. It could change our entire church, our community, our world heaven's name take advantage of the opportunity remind yourself there's something in you that's got to be that's got to come alive again it's got to be fired up again and that thing is the word of god get in rooted in heaven's name for the sake of the kingdom